This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas. And we are continuing our podcast series on the journey, which is uh, obviously our, this ministry is all about uh, taking people into an intimate abiding relationship with Christ, helping them become disciples. And, and we we do it with this process uh, called the journey. It's not a class. I've heard people say, call it a class. I've heard people call it a Bible study or whatever, but it's, it's a process. And, uh, and it has some really significant, uh, building blocks. They kind of build on each other. And so we're just going through every, we're, I've, I'm interviewing key leaders from around the country and taking them through each little key topic in the journey process. And so, uh, this week, uh, I'm uh, privileged to have our regional director from the Carolinas, Glenn Gordon. Welcome Glenn. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn and I have known each other since uh, he came into the ministry, gosh, seven or eight years ago. I think it might have been something like that. Does that sound right? All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I took this uh, this guy through the journey in Tulsa when I was still living in Tulsa. And uh, and uh, Ron Griffin, who's a great guy, and, uh, and he kept talking about his best friend who lived in North Carolina. I think he kept saying, or, or just the Carolinas. And he, he said, do, do we have the journey? And is anyone out there? Any influencers? And I said, well, not yet. Uh, so he finally uh, didn't have time to wait. So he took you, Glenn, through the journey uh, over the phone, right? Is that how it happened? Yep. The longest uh, journey uh, process uh, in, in the history of influencers. <laughs> took about two years or something to go through. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> You guys would just try to find time when you could hook up and and he'd just kind of feed you a little bit of the next step, yeah. and, right? You guys just kept yeah. talking about it. Yeah, I'm just a little slow to take in information. So. <laughs> hey, we always say this is not a, a microwave process. This is a crock pot. You know, you got to yep. marinate, got to marinate in it. So the long longer is not bad. Now, it does have to come to an end at some point so you can move forward, you know, but... <laughs> So, uh, so tell a little bit about yourself, Glenn, and uh, who you are, and uh, if you want to elaborate a little bit about, you know, what the journey meant to you, and and kind of wh- where you're at now with all that. Uh, go ahead and let them get to know you a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, I live in <clears throat> Fort Mill, South Carolina, borders on Charlotte. I've been here for about twelve years. Married uh, to my wife Ashley, and have five kids kids that range from the age of four to 15, four boys, one girl. Uh, my family's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I was born and uh, lived all over the country for professionally, you know, and um, as far as the journey goes, like you said, you know, Ron gave me the journey book in 2013. And I think I read it in 2015. And, and uh, I didn't even realize that till till later on. I went back and found the book, cleaning out my basement or something like that. And I saw, you know, he said, Ron, Ron or Glenn, I hope this, you know, makes you uh, into the man of God, you know, that you've called to be. And it said 2013. I'm like, oh, wow, I had that for two years. So anyway, like uh, like you said, we started on the phone and and that wouldn't have been possible 
uh, I think to go through that without me, me and him being best friends and having that trust and history together. So I don't recommend that. Uh, get on Zoom. It's it's far much better. We just didn't have that then. And uh, yeah, so went through that. And, you know, from there, it's like, you know, what do we do? And I think I talked to you maybe one or two times and you invited me to the summit uh, that year in Malibu, which I think was 2016, the last year you did it there. And I just got a ticket, came out there and uh, just showed up and met you and, and Rocky and some of the other key people. And, you know, that two or three days there on the mountaintop just rocked my world, you know, and, you know, at that time, you know, just a complete wreck in every part of my life, um, which, you know, <laughs> those things, uh, I don't think you're ever not a complete wreck, but, you know, uh, thank God we uh, have the Lord uh, by our side and behind us on that. Um, but I remember sitting there, I was in Paul Holzimer's uh, breakout group, and we just went over there and I think this was writing a letter uh, from God to myself, which you know, I didn't even know where to begin with that. But as I was doing that, I mean, just something just happened. And I knew leaving, you know, that mountaintop experience that, you know, this was my calling. And, you know, from there, you know, started the first group and then another group and another group. And, you know, here we are in 2022. And, um, still still plowing along well and, and i have to put a quick plug in for f3 because uh yes. you were part of this national fitness organization i'd never heard of uh that actually started near near you uh called f3 which uh, stands for fitness fellowship and faith and uh you invited me out a few years later to come out and speak to the guys because you were starting to plant journey groups among the f3 guys so these are guys coming out to to get in better shape but then they you wanted to help them with their spiritual part, the third F, the faith part. And um, you coerced me into doing a workout and uh, where I, you know, and, and then uh, several years later, you know, now I'm involved in it, you know, here in Northwest Arkansas. So uh, anyway, if any men are out there that, uh, that know they need to take care of their physical body uh, as well as their spiritual, uh, I would encourage you to check out F3nation.com and uh, see if there's an F3 chapter near you. Right, Glenn? hundred percent or just, you know, reach out to me. Um, like I said, it's, it's here in Charlotte. This is the, you know, epicenter for it. And my on-ramp, my main on-ramp has been at three guys, you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, for quite some time. So uh, definitely check it out and see if you yeah, have it. We may need to do a podcast just on F3 sometime because it, you know, and, and how, and this, and how it, correlates with the journey, you know, cause it really is cool how they work together. Yeah. I think, I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah. Well, we don't have time for that today because today our topic is, uh, you know, I, I put out all the topics of the journey to all the staff and the boards and uh, and I let you guys pick which one resonates with you. And you you pick the one uh, today we're going to talk about. Uh, it's actually a new session that we added a few years ago into the journey right before the prayer retreat, the first prayer retreat with the prayer cottage book. Uh, we added a session called the orphan spirit. And uh just a quick, quick background. Um, we uh, we used to use a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 that everybody loved, written by Philip Keller, written back in the 70s, I think. And uh, it was really just to demonstrate this idea that God cares. And we've already talked about that in one of our sessions. But uh, 
we were starting to have to uh, get a need to translate our materials into other languages and all that. And we didn't have the publishing rights and all that to, to translate another author's book and all that. So Rocky just felt the need to maybe write another book. And so, so he was working on this book and, uh, and, uh, and I happened to be up in Canada at a solely business retreat. And, uh, and I was, when, when I was up there, God was speaking to me personally about some things, uh, and uh, he was talking to, a little bit to me about my future and and my role is of growing up to become a more of a spiritual father to future young men, which was weird weird to me because I felt like it's still like a punk kid out of college or something, even though I was in my fifties, you know. And uh, anyway, he reminded me of uh, these two kids that we became legal guardians for, and they lived with us. They were about to become homeless, and it's it's a long story, but they they moved in with us for a season, and it was a really and we already had four kids. So we added two more kids to our family in a three bedroom house. And, and it was a, it was pr- kind of a challenging season for us trying to do that. We we're just trying to do a good deed to help these kids. And they were actual orphans. I mean, they had lost their mom and their dad. And uh, the thing is, is we, we were willing to take them in, adopt them and, and give, you know, help them get to college. We were going to, you know, help them learn to drive. We were going to, you know, help them pay for weddings when they got married, when they had kids, they were going to be our grandkids. We wanted to give them all the benefits of being part of the Craig family. But what we found out is um, they just wanted a place to stay. They didn't mm-hmm. really want, they didn't want to be part of the Craig family. They didn't want the benefits of the Craig family. And they kind of shut the door on that. And, and God brought that to my remembrance up in Canada of all places. And, um, and I didn't understand until he said, Brian, you can be like that. You know, I've, I've, I've wanted to adopt you. I've wanted to bring you into the, the family, part of the royal family, you know, and and be part of my royal family. And and yet, a lot of times you you give me the stiff arm, you know. You you don't really want the, you just want some of the benefits of it, but you don't really want to join the family. And uh, he kind of said, you can't be a father until you become a son. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I came back, and it really was profound to me. And I told Rocky about it because he's one of my mentors and. And then he said, well, you won't believe what I'm where what I'm writing about in my next book. And he was writing about the orphan spirit and all that. And so it was really kind of confirmation for him as well that he was tapping into something. The Holy Spirit was guiding him into something that was going to be helpful to other men, too. So so anyway, um, so we have this we added this session into the journey. Um, So we you know, we lay this foundation that he's an intimate God, that he's a God that knows he's a God that cares He's a God that's willing. He's a God that's able. And we're trying to build a case with journey participants that this is who he is. You know, he loves you. He wants you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like this last little session. It's like, but, <laughs> but you can prevent him from everything he wants to do in your life if you have an orphan spirit. And uh, so th- this last session kind of dives into that, you know, about uh, and, and, and you know, there's lots of scriptures that make a case that he wants to adopt us, that, that, that this relationship with Christ is not a religious thing. It's a family thing. It's a it's mm-hmm. an adoption. And uh, and you and I were reading some of the verses, you know, and, and you 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 like this one. And Ro- there's many. But the one we chose is Romans eight. Let me read this real quick, Glenn, and we'll dive into your thoughts. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. 
And then this says, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the setup, Glenn. So so let's let me dive in with you a little bit. So why did you choose this topic? Why did this topic when you said I want to I want to do that podcast? Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I just feel like, you know, the orphan spirit, like, you know, we all have it, right? But just through a chain of events from my entire life, um, you know, I felt, well, I'll just start with that. You know, my mom was 15 when she got pregnant with me, you know, had me when she was 16. I grew up um, <clears throat> thinking someone else was my dad, you know, who I was terrified of, you know. Marine from Vietnam, and you know, he had all sorts of things wrong with him. So I had my mom. And I want to preface all this conversation by saying, you know, you know, there's this, there's that. God was there with me every step of the way, whether I knew it or not. But as I reflect more and more on it, I can see, oh wow, well, there was this, and, and then there was that, and there was this person and that person. So there were blessings as he was with me through all these trials and challenges and, and battles. And he still is. And I still forget about, you know, but back to that story, um, you know, I found out a little bit later that uh, he wasn't my dad. You know, I've had three different last names and, uh, you know, then he packed up um, and left. You know, in the middle of the night, uh, one night, I'll never forget it. My mom was divorcing when he was served papers. And um, I think he wrote to me a letter or two for, from prison to me. Um, and, you know, I never saw him again. Right. And, you know, and I forgave him. You know, I never called and, and told him that. I regret that because uh, I don't know, you know, what that might have done for him. But anyway, so, you know, there was my mom and. Uh, at that point, she told me who my real father was um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he was 19 when I was born, right? And so, <laughs> you know, that's a that's a little tough. And he'd gotten saved uh, in his early 20s um, there at uh, Victory Christian, and I think they were in a car dealership still at that time, and had met my uh, stepmom at a uh, singles roller skating date. I'm sure that was a disaster, but anyway, it worked out. And so he'd been wanting to get in touch with me, but he couldn't, right? Because I, I was thinking somebody else was my dad. So shortly after that, um, around 15 years old, flew out to Tulsa, you know, met him and my stepmom. And, you know, that was weird for me. But I was also excited, you know, when my mom told me that, you know, you see these movies and it's like, oh, I hate you. How could you have done this to me? But I was like, wow, you know, there's somebody else out there and I've got brothers and sisters and I'm just mm-hmm. going through all these pictures that I've gotten. And it was, man, it, you know, it was, uh, there was a lot of joy that came from that. And I flew out there, didn't know anybody. Uh, my stepmom took me to Victory Christian. I did the interview, um, whatever that is, and got accepted and came back home. And one of the toughest conversations I'd ever had was telling my mom that I was going to live with my dad. And so flew out there, didn't know a single person. And uh man, it was uh it was life-changing. On top of that, um, you know, dad and Mickey uh were foster parents. I think they've had something like 65, 66 kids that they fostered. And wow. so over the two years I lived with them, just all these kids 
come and go, right? So I got to witness firsthand, um, you know, what that looks like. And I remember one time um, that uh, the social worker was coming to pick up, you know, a boy and he was running around the house trying to hide, you know, because he didn't want to be taken somewhere else and I'm going to get choked up on this. And it, it's just like, you know, I can't completely identify with that, but I also identify with not belonging anywhere. And even when I lived with my parents, uh, dad, and, or dad and Mickey, I still didn't know me. And it was, I knew, didn't know anybody, you know? And then there was Ron, you know, who became my best friend. So I didn't really feel like I belonged in a family, um, which my mom passed away uh, probably until my mid twenties, late, late twenties. It was late twenties, almost 30 actually. And, and having this sense of belonging in the natural sense. So that's that's just some background on on why I picked this podcast just through my own life experiences. So have you made a have you made the spiritual connection to to what you witnessed, what you felt, and and to this idea that you know what I was talking about that God's wanting to bring us into the family? I mean, have you kind of made that connection yourself? Yeah, I have. And and actually Rocky's book was was a catalyst for that, you know, and even the first part of the journey, you know, God knows, God cares, God's willing and God's able, you know, I don't think that gets talked about enough um, in, in churches, certainly um, just, you know, relational instead of religious and that, you know, he's not up there with a hammer or he's not, you know, doesn't care, not paying attention. I mean, he he loves us. And so that both in my life, you know, there was a convergence, you know, especially after reading that book of understanding that I am his adopted son and, and, and he is Abba. Well, you know, kind of like what you just talked about, finding out you had a father, you know, finding out that you, that you found your your father was like like great news you know like like you were longing deep inside of you it's almost like you might have known even something inside of you knew that there was somebody out there you know and when you found that made that connection and and i wonder if that's not similar to people who really find their adoption and find their real father you know and 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 most people i know have had father wounds you know and and we they want to blame their dad you know for not treating them right or not loving them enough or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, and in some cases it's abuse and, you know, and that, and that's horrible. Um, but it doesn't even have to be abuse. It could just be neglect or, or whatever. And then this idea that when we find Abba father that we talked about, which is kind of a loving word for daddy or Papa, you know, when we find that God is our father, um, it can be such good news. I mean, it could be something that we've always been longing for. We didn't even realize it. I mean, do you see that connection at all? A hundred percent. And one thing I forgot to mention also, uh, just back to adoption, um, the last two foster kids, I believe they were the last two um, that dad and Mickey had, um, they adopted them, right? And, and, and another thing, um, you know, so, so Bill wasn't my real father, but he was my sister's real dad. Mm-hmm. And so my mom remarried. And he adopted my sister 
when she was 16, 17, and for her to have him as a father. I mean, so it's been all around me, right, in, 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 mm-hmm. in, in life. Um, but, you know, if you don't spend time uh, with your dad, with your papa, with Abba, you know, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's a, you just don't feel right. You don't, and, and, and that's on, that's on me, right? Cause mm-hmm. he's there and he's yeah. pursuing me and I keep running away, running into stuff, running into circles and, and he'll let me, you know, uh, but he's always pursued me uh, and, and it's never stopped and, and never will. So well, and I mean, we could talk about the the famous story that Jesus told about the prodigal son, you know, actually, the you know, he had two sons. One son rebelled and just ran away from all the benefits of his father. You know, one son stayed there and had that religious pride that I'm look at me, I'm the good son. And by gosh, I deserve I deserve all your love or, you know, whatever. Both were kind of misguided. Um, and then yet the the, pro, the the father was just like the role of God, the father, and uh, so gracious to meet both sons where they were, and they were both in error of of their view of themselves and their and their sonship and all that. So, I mean, that's that. Don't you think that connects? Yeah, it does. And 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 two things to that, which I think is something that you know we it's important for us to do. One. You know, the son, the prodigal son came back, right? The father didn't go searching for him, right? right. He he was waiting, you know, for him to make the first step. So not only did he come back, he asked for forgiveness. And he was like, you know, I'll feed the pigs or whatever it was. And, you know, put a, put a robe on him and had a great feast. So I think that's an, an important part of it, too, is we've got to do our thing. Uh, as well, um, we got to do our part. Um, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah, and, and he's he's always willing to accept us back. He's all no matter what we've done. You know, there's people listening right now, Glenn, who maybe have done some horrendous things, and they're thinking, "I'm not worthy. I can't go back. I, I, I'm just ashamed." Or, and it doesn't matter. He's no. still there with the arms wide open. You know, and that's a, that's the best part about that book and in the first. Um, part of the journey is understanding that, and I still wrestle with grace, uh-huh. you know, and you know, it's just truly understanding that. Um, and I, I don't think you can truly fathom it, I, I never will. But that goes back to the part of abiding, right, and being connected to the vine. And if you're not, you know, it, everything's just, you know, spins out of control, or it has with me at least. Well, and, and we, when uh, in that book, The Orphan No More that Rocky wrote, he he put a picture of a house, you know, because because Jesus says you want to build your house on the rock so that when the winds come, you know, your house will stand. And if you build it on the sand, it'll be taken away and talks about building on the rock. And, and Rocky in the book says that rock is grace. It's mm-hmm. a bedrock of grace, you know, that because without grace, we couldn't even understand that he knows, he cares, he's, and that he loves us so much because he's all-powerful God, and we don't deserve it. Like, we don't, de- we never have deserved it because we're sinful. We don't deserve all the stuff he wants to pour on us, but because of grace, we can enter into that. Yeah, and I think that's why I hate the beach so much, Brian, because I continue to, to build houses on 
yeah well, I have over my life and it's like I, in, in the real world maybe there's a connection there I, I just hate sand so well what yeah so well what is that <laughs> well let's talk about that what is what building your house on the sand what does that look like not seeking god not uh not abiding not um not asking for forgiveness not no confession you know um pushing him away you know running away uh, all of those things but i also think you know and you mentioned this is the feeling undeserving you know um i sin sure i did yesterday and probably will today and probably tomorrow you know and it's you feel like it. I feel like it's Groundhog's Day, you know, and it's just like, all right, here I am. I messed up again. And and then, you know, so I think the enemy, not only the enemy, but just ourselves and our natural mind is just like, dude, you know, this is seriously again. I mean, and then so then I get it in my own head that. It's being ashamed, too, but also just a continual screw up that. I just can't grasp and I don't think I ever will until I'm in heaven how much he loves us and how much he continues to forgive us. I'm the one that puts up the walls. I'm the one that runs away. I'm the one that, you know, stops looking up and, and, and knees aren't down. So I'm my own worst enemy. You know, I, I think in a lot of cases. Well, I was thinking about building your house on status, building your house on hmm. image, building your house sure. on your bank account, building your house on your fame, you know, on pleasures. Sure. I mean, a lot of people try to build their house on on false thing, on idols, really false yep. things that will they'll not stand up in the day of testing. Those things don't stand up. And, and, and that's a great point. And, you know, since the journey. So when I went through it with Ron. You know, and, and I'm still a hot mess, you know, a different type of hot mess than I was in 2015. But, you know, it was all about my LinkedIn profile. You know, these are my, you know, my titles and this is how much I'm making and. This is the car I drive, you know, we got three BMW and, and I came from nothing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 800 square foot house, no heat, no air, lived in an attic. It was finished, but just dirt poor uh, and embarrassed. Wouldn't even be dropped off at my own house by my friends. I would have them drop me off at my grandma's trailer. So if that tells you anything about my house, when you're having your your, uh, your friends drop you off at your uh, grandma's trailer, it was just this shameness that I had of. And, and if you know, there's still a wound, a wound from that, which led to, hey, I'm not going to be like this anymore. I'm going to do this, that, and the other, and you know, we're going to have two BMWs, and I'm going to be in the nicest part of this, and whatever. And over time, especially the past, you know, two or three years, it's like I, I don't care about any of that. Anymore. I don't. Mm. I really don't. I left the executive world in um, 2020 when COVID hit. You know, had a stupid high salary job and equity in the company. And, you know, if that company had flipped, I wouldn't have to work anymore. But that would have been that would have been a disaster. You know, I know that a fact. And Brian, you, you understand this, too, is God wants us to trust on him, yeah. not ourselves. And I just told you earlier this morning that, you know, I would be happy, you know, if you know, my wife's starting to work now and she loves it. She's bring, starting to bring in some income. If I'll stay home and take care of the kids and, and do the ministry like 24 seven. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm balancing a lot of other stuff right now. And that's where my heart's been since the mountaintop. And, you know, God's timing is perfect. 
you know, I don't understand it. I want it sooner. I want it right now. But I think my desires, my heart's desires that he's given me are in the right trajectory. Um, I, I'm sure I don't help it get there sooner than it should. But again, his timing is perfect. Well, and you know my story, Glenn. I mean, it. I was called to to join this ministry full time, and I think I think I'm. I know that I'm supposed to be here. It took seven years of God sifting me, and part of that was having those kids live with us, and uh, but a lot of it was financial. You know, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden life was difficult. I had to cash in all the retirement account that I had, which was pretty, pretty good size uh, to keep my business going. And then I had to drain the, all the equity in my house to keep the business going. And, and it was almost like, we, you know, he stripped us down to, I don't know if he did it or he allowed me to do it to myself or whatever, but uh, get down to the end of everything, you know? So then, then when I made the decision, it wasn't, you know, I, I thought a better plan would be that I'd be a millionaire and then just go serve God for free. You know, I thought that was a better yeah. plan, you know, <laughs> but that doesn't sound like personal abandonment and absolute trust, does it? Um, no, it, 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 it doesn't. And, you know, we were just talking about this earlier, you know. Um, you know, when we were in Costa Rica and, you know, I think uh, we said we got two months left. Uh, we sold our house because. Timing was right, took all the equity we had out of it, paid off all our debt, and, and now we're renting. And I was 100% fine with that. And it, it was Ashley that, that let go of that through some stuff that I was going through that, you know, got us to that point. But um, yeah, you know, got a little money coming in this week so we can make rent uh, next month. But like you, were, you and I were saying, it's like one thing for us to carry that, right? But it's another thing to see you know, your family and especially your wife, that's, that's, that's tougher than just not caring in my mind. But, but one thing you said, you know, coming to the end of ourselves, um, relying on ourselves, getting rid of that self-reliancy, you know, is when, when he can truly come in and uh, put us back together, reforge us and use us. Yeah. And and I can tell you, um, I'm on. I feel like I'm a, somewhat on the other side of that mountain of uh, fear, and uh, you know, what if we go broke, or you know, all those fears you have. And Throw God, broke. <laughs> God has provided. <laughs> I can tell you, God has provided. God has provided, and uh, and I have more peace and more contentment than I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. To have to have less to be worth less on paper than I've ever been in my life. You know, it's yep. interesting. Um, it, it's, there's a song that, you know, the price song that says the things of this world have grown strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. And, and I, I feel that. And I, you know, there's been times I'm like, what's wrong with me? And I'm like thinking, well, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm starting to get it. This idea mm-hmm. of it being adopted, I'm starting to finally get it maybe. Yep. Um, so, I, so we're running out of time, Glenn, but I want to I want to kind of close with this last little story because I I came across this story and I, f- I feel like it it demonstrates what we're talking about, about the orphan spirit and the and the adoption. And it's the story of Mephibosheth. And uh, it's a hard word to say. So uh, I, when I did talk on this one time, I said, we'll just call him Seth. It's easier yeah. to say. Yeah, I'm <laughs> anyway. sure off the farm. I don't think I could pronounce that. Yeah, so Seth Mephibosheth, Seth was uh, Jonathan's son, and uh, it's a, a little unclear. It might have been his grandson, but yep. David and Jonathan were buds, you know, and they were they were committed to each other for life. And uh, Jonathan died before uh, King David 
and David said, I'll always take care of your heirs. I'll always take care of your, your family. And, uh, and, and there's this one scene and I, sorry, I don't have the verse reference right off the bat. Some, you can definitely find it. If you look at Mephibosheth, uh, you can find it. But, uh, anyway, David remembered his vow to Jonathan and he asked his people, Hey, is there anybody left in the house of, of Saul, which was Jonathan's dad, you know? And then anyway, they told him about Mephibosheth and he was a lame, he was a, he was a cripple. His, his legs were lame and he lived out somewhere out in the country with his family and all that. And, and David, I guess was busy being King and missed that somehow or another. And he said, well, bring him to me, you know? And so, so the story goes that they all summoned him and they came and got him. And, and I, I told my wife, I kind of picture the scene of all the King's horses and all the King's men pulling up in front of Mephibosheth's house and probably scared him to death. Probably thought he was mm-hmm. in trouble. And, uh, and they bring him in and, and he's told that, no, David wants you to, to move your family, move your whole family into the palace, move everybody. And as for you, you will, you will always eat at the king's table. You're now you. And he, he if you read it, it's classic orphan spirit. 100%. He couldn't he couldn't receive it. He even says something like, why would he care about such a dead dog as I? Why would he why would I be invited to the king's table? I mean, isn't that a picture of how most people are? <laughs> Spot on. Hey, I, and I know we got to wrap this up pretty quick, but I, I want to, you got five, six minutes for, for me to tell this quick story. Go for it. All right. And and you were there. So we were just in Costa Rica, you know, with uh, Henry and his wife and family and some of the other global staff and, and regional directors. And, you know, we were going out to the churches, right? Just to, just to love on them and, and be there with them and see what, you know, what their life was like a little bit. And so we went to this one uh, church where this guy told this one story that there was uh, a family and there was a bunch of brothers and the, what became the pastor, he was a part of this church. And I think he was helping, helping the pastor out, the head pastor out, 16 years old, 17. And then that head pastor went away. And in Costa Rica in the culture, you know, the thought is, hey, if you're a pastor, you're lazy and you're just whatever, right? That was their view or maybe still is their view of him. So, you know, he felt God wanted him there. So he became the head pastor and so his dad just owned him, right? Mm-hmm. And right. he had to go out. I don't remember his name, but he had to go out and he basically lived in just a little lean-to. Underneath it, he had a chair and his mom would, I think he could go in and, and like shower every now and then or She'd bring him food or whatever. And I, I think I could be wrong. That was two years. And yeah, he wasn't he wasn't welcome in his father's house. His father said, you're, you're not my son anymore. You're not allowed in my house. Yeah. Right. And then so he met uh, met what would be his wife through the church. And, you know, I think he was hoping that maybe they would come to the wedding at least. No. Nope. And they had a kid. And, and that's a really, really big deal. I think culturally more so than it is here in the United States and, you know, didn't show up for that and was hesitant to take his wife and family there because he was scared of rejection, you know, of, of her. All right. So it was his brother's birthday and they were throwing a big party right at the house. Um, and one, the, one of the brothers, I think the birthday brother came out to him and his wife and his kid and said, Come back to the house and, and 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 let's celebrate that. And I don't think he wanted to. I mean, and and I get that, but his brother talked him into it 
And so he went back to the house and, you know, his father just came running to him and mm. just embraced him. And man, I mean that, you know, when we were hearing that, we're just like, man, that just broke my heart, but, you know, made it happy at the same time. And so his father, you know, uh, made him head of the household. And I think his father was close to passing away over everybody. And that's a big deal in, in that culture. And just that story of how God, you know, not only his faith in God, uh, but just his, uh, you know, getting him through two years of, you know, living under a lean to. So he had his papa there like that whole time, but mm. mm. well, got reunited with his physical dad, you know, by having the courage and the strength uh, to go back there in fear of rejection. But instead of being rejected, you know, his father ran to him and man, that just really, that really touched me that story. So I just wanted to share that and Brian, you were there, but. Yeah, it was and, beautiful. Oh, well, and, and I think Glenn, I think a good point you're making that, that I'm thinking about in my own life is the more that we're um, content in our adoption by, by Abba father, by, by mm -hmm. heavenly father, it allows us to give our dads a break. Our earthly dads who might've mm -hmm. let us down, helps us give them a break. And, uh, and I, for so many years, I thought it was up to my dad to, you know, to come and talk to me and pursue me right. and, mm -hmm. and, you know, but I, I think, I think God's saying, no, you're, I'm your papa now, now you go love on your dad, you know, yeah. and, and, and don't wait till it's too late. Cause you know, my dad, I lost my dad to COVID yep. too, too early, you know, and, uh, and there were some unsaid words and some un some things I wish I would have said to him and all that. And it's too late now, you know? And so, so, uh, if anyone's out there who's got some issues with their dad, I'd say, let, let God adopt you first. And then, then you, he'll satisfy everything you're look, you were looking for in your earthly father. Now, and then go give your dad a break, go, go love on your dad, go, go be the be you be the start of reconciliation with your dad. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's spot on Brian. And, and lastly to this pastor in Costa Rica, you know, um, I, I think he, you know, that entire time said that he harbored no ill will or, you know, resentment or anger towards his father that entire time. I mean, yeah, who yeah. on earth could do that? I mean, I'd be pissed, you know, sorry to say uh, that, but it's just yeah. like, you know, I wouldn't have gone back to help. I'd been like, get you, man. Uh, but he did too. So think about the humbleness that it took for him to do that, but him doing that, brought his dad to him. So just like you said, um, you might not have time uh, to, to have some reconciliation there. And, you know, I think that comes from, like you said, um, letting, letting Papa adopt you and then, and then, and then getting that right. And then going back, um, mm. even if you don't feel like it. Yeah. And, and, and it, it can change them more than it can change you. Yeah. And you know the difference when you meet a man or a woman who's been who knows their adoption in God, mm -hmm. you can tell the difference. There's a quiet confidence. There's a joy. There's a peace, and uh, and that's what we're all longing for. And that, and that's what everybody's every all of mankind is longing for that. Mm -hmm. You know. So, uh, well, did. brother, this has been a good conversation. We could talk a lot more, but uh, thanks for taking time to do this and uh, blessings on you out there in the Carolinas and, and all that God wants to do out there through F3 or whatever means through different churches. You know, I know, I know that uh, we've only barely begun to see what he's going to do just in the Carolinas. So, uh, so thanks for all your work out there, brother.
Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, this has been the Influencers Network podcast. And uh, again, there's lots of other uh, podcasts we've done. We've been doing this four or five years, and there's several hundred uh, episodes, believe it or not. Uh, a lot of them with me and Rocky and a lot of other leaders around the country and a lot of testimonies. So check all those out at our website, influencers.org. You can find all the podcasts and uh, under resources. Uh, but also you can stream our podcasts on anywhere that you stream, Apple, Google, Spotify, all that. We're on there now too. So uh, if you're interested in finding some more stuff. So, and if uh, this is journey season, so if you've uh, never been through the journey and you might've heard about it or something, man, go through the journey because uh, it will help you understand and figure some of these things out that we're talking about. It, it's a nine month process, but it is well worth it. Um, so uh, get plugged into that. You can check check that out or get plugged, connected to us through influencers.org as well. So anyway, my name is Brian Craig. I'm the executive director for Influencers Global Ministries, and I'm gonna keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you today. Amen. Amen.